0: the things that natural men cannot receive. So revelation knowledge is gifted to your people. Thank you for this great week of No Limit Conference. Thank you for all that has been spoken here and thank you for light that shines in the dark places. We rejoice that your people are built up, equipped, edified and Jesus is glorified. Thank you for the blessing in this service. In Jesus' precious name and every believer sees it powerful Amen. Amen never ever be the same again in jesus name and every believer says a powerful amen well if you're excited about jesus this morning go ahead and demonstrate your love for jesus in this place glory amen you can be seated with your sweet smart self this morning so good to be with you in no limit conference And I want to begin by appreciating Pastor Daddy Ken, your pastor, a man who loves Jesus, a man who is excited about, you know, serving the purpose of God, the kingdom of God, and serving the people of God with God's grace. We really love you, man, appreciate you. Always a joy to be with you. Always a joy. You know, let me quickly apologize for my inability to be here last night. I tried to get here yesterday and it just couldn't work out. But I'm glad I'm here today. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. I came with Pastor Philemon. Pastor Philemon always comes here with me every time we come. So good to have you here, man. Praise God. Well, I want to appreciate all the men of god that are here this morning thank you for taking out the time to be with us now listen to me you must do me the favor of inviting everybody in the world to be here tomorrow for the two services i have something very important i want to share with with every one of you tomorrow i have a specific word from god tomorrow in the first and in the second service and i don't want anybody to miss that then secondly i also have a word for your state so invite everybody you can you know reach out to people make sure they are here if you're a pastor try and get your service quickly closed do it sharp sharp and come tomorrow and be part of here let's have some we're gonna have a blast in this place so all i want to do today is just lay some foundation quickly and let you go and start inviting people somebody say i hear you and if you're on social media, I'd like you to go to the church page. Are we streaming? Are we streaming? Go to the church page if you're on social media. If you have a Facebook page, if it is your own, you didn't borrow somebody's Facebook page. If the Facebook page is your own, open to it. Even now, if you have your phone with you, open to your Facebook page, share the video on your page. Let the thousands on your page know that something is happening here because, you know, the services will be streamed, but now, tomorrow, first service and second service. And there are people in Yenogua that don't know I am here. If you stream they will find out that I'm here and they can even come before the service is over. So let Jesus use your page to reach people like he used Peter's boat and the water to reach people and give Peter a net breaking miracle. So let Jesus use your Facebook page. So help me share the video. I think the page is Refine People's Assembly. Go to that page then share the video of this service and let's, let's get it out and let's make sure people get to know what God is doing in this place. I also came with some of my books. I don't know if 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 these books were ready last year when i came but i have a book on the office of the pastor the office of the pastor it's a book that will help equip you if you're a pastor you're a leader in church and you're involved in the art of evangelism and raising disciples this book will help you very much in fact this book by the time you're through with it you will have gotten yourself to a place where you can effectively raise somebody from where he gets born again to where he becomes a minister of the gospel this book will help you a lot i also have another one bible truth about material wealth what does the bible teach about material wealth you know it's a very powerful book on you know material wealth and how to handle it in the light of redemption I also have another one. This is the latest one that just came out a few months ago. It's every man a minister. Every man a minister. That's God's will for everybody to be a minister of the gospel. How you know that you are called by God. How you confirm that God has called you. How to walk in that calling. How to fulfill that calling. And how to maximize the call of God upon your life. This book is a must have for every one of you. The last one here is my book on the communion table the communion table. Everywhere I go, people ask me questions about Holy Communion, Holy Communion. Well, I have a 300 and something page book on the communion table. It opens it up for you from Genesis to Revelation. Sound exegesis. Of course, there's one here on um, on um, causes, myth, and the truth. You know, all of these things on causes. Am I cause. Who is is cause? Are there causes? What do they look like? And if there are, how do you overcome them? You know, and all of that. This book will teach you what the Bible teaches about causes, the myth, and the truth about causes. Can I have a good amen? amen? All right, commercial out of the way. <clears throat> Let's get in the world. Are you ready? Yes, are you ready for the world? Yes, One of the reasons why people cannot easily walk in the plan and the purpose of god for their lives is because many people do not want to live their lives according to the word of god many people do not want to live their lives in tandem with god's will and god's purpose for their lives and you know one of the reasons why people can so easily discredit you know god's character is because they do not know god by his word let me repeat one of the reasons why people can so easily discredit god's character Is because they do not know God by his word. So many people, the God they know is based on what people told them. And others, the God they know is based on their experiences. And so many others, the only God they know is based on what people have testified. So they do not know God by his word. And God can only be known by his word. Now listen carefully. The Bible is a theology. The Bible is a theology the theology of the bible is christology i repeat the theology of the bible is christology that is to say every concept of the bible is christocentric meaning that the bible is a book that has one message one character it seeks to reveal so the bible therefore is a theology and the theology of the bible is christology that is to say that you can never understand the bible outside christ christ makes the bible a reality the only book in the planet that carries with it the revelation of god is the holy bible and of course in your hand you have about 66 volumes of it put together in one book so the bible is one book about one character and the character of the bible is christ In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said to the Jews, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures don't give eternal life. They are they which testify of me. That is to say, the scriptures carry my testimony. That is to say, when you read the scripture, what you should look for in the scripture is my testimony. People ask me all the time, what does it, why is the Bible full of contradictions? Full of contradictions. In one place you will see that God killed, in another place you will see that God maketh alive, in another place you will see that God is good, then in another place you will see that God sent evil spirits. Why is the Bible so full of contradictions? Now listen carefully. The seeming contradictions in the Bible only exist in your mind. The seeming contradictions in the Bible only exist in your mind. Otherwise, the Bible does not have contradictions. There is a harmony to all that is written in the scriptures. I repeat, there is a harmony to all that is written in the scriptures. And the reason is this. If you do not understand the scriptures in the light of Christ, you will seem to see contradictions in the scriptures. But when they are well read together, the contradictions pan out and an understanding comes where no contradiction exists anymore. Somebody asked me the other day, but the Bible says God kill it and God make it alive. And I said to the person, the same Bible says, suffer the little children to come unto me. Suffer the little children. Suffer them. You're not hearing Suffer the little children to come unto me. Suffer them. So, if you want to go with the literal English of the Bible, then children should be punished to come to God. But that's not what he's saying there. Are you following? Let me give you another one. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you're going to follow the literal explanation of creature in the Bible, animals as a creature cockroaches rats you know lizards we should be preaching to lizards you should have a bible study with lizards because they are creature every creature every creature you should have a rat's bible study <laughs> so the fact that you saw a word in the bible doesn't mean you should pursue it literal. So again, that is why Bible concepts must be interpreted in the light of Christ. Because when the Bible says every creature, if you read the context of that creature, he's not talking inclusive of animals. He's talking about human beings all over the world. Jews and Gentiles. All right? That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about animals. He's talking about human beings. But when you do not read all of it together, you take the word and just run with it, you will end up preaching to animals and preaching to all kinds of, you know, giraffes and lions and and I ask somebody, who will preach to the snakes? Snake Bible study. So the word creature there it's not inclusive of animals. He's talking about human beings, because Mark 16 now says, "Going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This sign shall follow those that believe, "In my name they shall cast out devils." So the Lord went with them, and they preached the word everywhere. Now when we see where they preach the word, they never preach to animals. So it is that verse 20 that explains verse 15. So again, the Bible is a contextual material that carries with it one message. Therefore, in studying it, you must study it in its whole. You must look at the pretext, the posttext to be able to understand the context of the scriptures. Now in the book of Second Timothy, chapter three, verse number fifteen, second Timothy three fifteen, Brother Paul says to Timothy, and that from a child thou was known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Next verse All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, useful, advantageous, number one for doctrine. The word didaskalia for teaching or explanation. Now, when the scriptures are taught and explained, they will bring you to the second prophet, which is reproof. Reproof means persuasion. Reproof means conviction. Same word in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. Now, faith is 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 a substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the word evidence there is the word reproof. Now, when the scriptures bring evidence, the next prophet will arrive, which is correction, the adjustment of the mind. Right? When the, the, fire the, fire Lord, fire the is control, yeah. and when the communicated to you it is your responsibility to be willing to unlearn you so you can relearn the scriptures, so the, the understand, scriptures. Understand. so the third benefit understand. of bible what what teaching understand. is that it will bring you to a place of correction then it will bring you to the foot it, which, in in which is in this life, This is the word pedia, in the Greek, it means to raise a child up by the way of the mouth, spiritual growth. So spiritual growth cannot be arrived at until there is doctrine, until there is explanation, which will bring you to persuasion, which will bring you to correction before there can be spiritual growth. So, if you find believers who are not on learning and relearning, it will be difficult for them to grow up spiritually. Now, what is the proof that a man is growing up spiritually? Well, the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 tells us he that descended is he that ascended up on high. And when he ascended up, he gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastoring, teachers. Why did he give the gifts? Number one, for the perfecting of the saints so when people are maturing they become perfected what is the word perfected it means to be equipped believers become equipped they become empowered the equipping of the saints and when the saints are equipped the proof is that they will do the work of ministry so believers that are not doing the work of ministry are not being equipped when you find people shying away from evangelism, shying away from prayer meeting, they are not being equipped because when people are being equipped, their natural desire and appetite will be for prayer, evangelism, raising disciples because they are feeding. When a child at home is well fed, he will run around the house he will bring the TV down. He will begin to look for screwdriver to you know, to to begin to lose things in the house because he's satisfied. When children are hungry, they sit down in one corner humble or they'll be crying all over the house. The point is when you begin to grow up spiritually, you begin to get involved with the work of ministry. The Bible says that when you are equipped, you will do the work of ministry and when you do the work of ministry, the body of Christ will be edified. And then he says that we henceforth be not tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. No, we are not being carried about. We are no more tossed to and fro. We have arrived at a place of stability. Spiritual growth brings you to a place of stability. Things don't shake you anyhow. You don't move around anyhow. Problems don't determine your destination. Problems come and go, you are still there. Situations come and go, you are still there why you have arrived at a place of stability what brought you there you are fed you are equipped therefore you are standing your ground until the purpose of god for your life is being carried out am i talking to somebody here you're not tossed to and fro problems come problems go you're there situations come situations go you're there a brother in our church somebody offended him He came to me and said, Papa, this brother and his wife have offended me. I just came to notify you. I'm not leaving this church. I'm going to fight them to the last and collect everything that they've they've taken from me and I'll still remain in this church. We are brothers. God has forgiven them and has forgiven me, but me I have not forgiven them. We must sort it out as Brothers. I said, that's, that's, that's somebody who is maturing talking. Somebody else will say, I'm going to leave this church. I'm not going to come again. I don't know why people in this church should treat me like this. That means you're not growing. When you start growing, you begin to understand that there could be issues in the family, but issues in the family don't determine your status in the family. You are a member of the family without issues or with issues nobody disowns his father because his brother insulted him nobody disowns his mother because his sister insulted him no matter the insult you're you're still a member of the family and you stay in that family and fix the matter that is what spiritual growth brings it brings you to a place of stability where you are grounded where you are rooted where you are established where things don't move you around anyhow the reason is because you're growing up Am I talking to somebody here? Somebody said to me very loud, I am growing up. Now look at the book of James, chapter 1, verse 20. James, chapter 1, verse number 20. Please put it up for me. James, I know you've been hearing grace, grace, grace since the conference started. I don't want to stay grace anymore. I want to move beyond grace and bring you to other things that the grace of God has provided for you. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here. And of course, you know that grace is not a message. I hope you know that. Grace is not a message. Grace is the character of God. Grace is God's character. From eternity past to eternity future. Grace is not a new message. It is the message. That it was not preached before is because they didn't know. It has always been there. God didn't become gracious in the New Testament. He has been gracious from Genesis. Before Genesis began, he has been gracious. I hope you know that Genesis is not the beginning of God. God began before Genesis. It is God that began Genesis. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. So God created. So creation came out of God because God predated creation. Am I talking to somebody here? Before creation was initiated, God has always been God has no beginning. He has no end. So if in Genesis God's grace was already being made manifest, it means God's character before Genesis is grace. It's not a message. Somebody say all this message of grace is making people sin. What you're saying is that God is making people sin. It's not grace. God's character is grace. It's not just a message. It is the disposition of God towards undeserving man. Grace is the disposition of God towards undeserving man. That is, man is always sinning. Man is always failing. Man is always full of mistakes. How can a perfect God relate with an imperfect man? Grace. Grace is the platform upon which a perfect God can fellowship with an imperfect man. Am I communicating at all? Because every day of your life you make mistakes. There's nobody. I make mistakes every day. All of us make mistakes every day. No matter how holy you think you are, you make mistakes all every day. The only way a God that never makes mistake can relate with a man that makes mistake all the time will be on the platform of grace. Am I communicating here? Grace is the word chain in the Hebrew. The word chen, c-h-e-n is the word chesed, c-h-e-s-e-d is the word chenan. All those are Hebrew words for the word grace. It means God getting involved with undeserving man. That is God saying, you can never be of any good to me. You can never be of any benefit to me. You can never be of any profit to me. Yet, I, God, have decided to be of benefit to you. I'm not being of benefit to you because of what I will get out of you. I'm of benefit to you because that is who I am. Even if I try not to, I cannot. That's who I am. The only way I know to deal is on the platform of grace. That's why John now speaking of Jesus said, Jesus full of grace that word and is K-A-I K-A-I in the Greek it means Jesus full of grace that is truth the law was given by Moses but grace which is truth exists as Jesus you didn't hear that grace which is truth exists as Jesus so Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace that is when Jesus moves, grace is moving. He is the personality of the grace of God. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God who became a man. So Jesus is the unveiling. Jesus is the revelation. Jesus is the manifestation. Jesus is the apocalypsis. It's a, it's a Hebrew word for the unveiling of the character of the person called God. Why did Jesus show up? Because the Old Testament people didn't know God in his exactness. So because they didn't know God in his exactness, they communicated God in types and shadows. They didn't know God in precision, so they communicated God in mediums and parables. And in the midst of their communication, there were misrepresentations. In the midst of their communication, there were misconceptions of God's personality and character. But God is a family man and God has always dreamt of having a family. Now you cannot have a family without revealing yourself to your family. So God seeing that all that the Old Testament prophets did was... To try to unveil him but couldn't do it well. So God Almighty decided to reveal himself by himself. So Jesus is God who became a man to reveal to man who God is. Jesus is God who became a man to reveal to man who God is. So the arrival of Jesus corrected the misrepresentations corrected the distortions and corrected the seeming contradictions to God's character. Now listen carefully. If you do not know God's character, you cannot trust him. If you do not know God's character, you cannot rely on him. If you do not know God's character, when times are tough, you will compromise. If you do not know God's character, you can't even rely on him when you pray, you will have a plan B. It is a revelation of God's character that gives you stability. That gives you confidence. That gives you trust. That makes you to say, I have prayed and it will happen. Even when it looks like it is not happening, you know it will happen. Why? Because you know God's character. Now listen carefully. God's character can be predicted. You can look at things when you know God. You can look at things and say, this is God. He will do like this now. This is what he will do next. God wants to be predicted God is not mysterious A mysterious person cannot give you 66 books that contain his entire story A mysterious person cannot give you his spirit to live inside you Every mystery about God has been demystified There's no more secret about God that is kept from man. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here. Are you still in the building? A mysterious person cannot unveil himself to you. God wants to be known. Not known in bits and pieces. Known completely. That you know him that you can predict. You can say hey listen, God will do like this now. Somebody say you know God is a mysterious God, His ways are past finding out. What you're saying is that you're not a child of God, first Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Put it up. Are you in the building? Okay, I was trying not to teach grace, but it's like I have to scratch it a bit. (laughs) But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. That verse is Genesis to Malachi. That verse is not talking about you. That verse is talking about Moses and the prophets. How do I know that that verse is talking about Moses and the prophets? Now put your finger in 1 Corinthians 2.9 move to 1 Peter 1.10. First Peter chapter 1 verse number 10 the brother on the computer thank you for working with me of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you next verse next verse searching they were searching when Jeremiah prophesied in the midst of his prophecy you will see his search When Isaiah prophesied, in the midst of his prophecy, you will see his search. They were all searching what or searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now watch the next verse. So that you know that that's First Corinthians 2.9. Unto whom it was revealed, That not unto themselves. It was revealed to them that what they were teaching was not for them to understand. That's why they were searching. They were inquiring. So their eyes never saw. Their ears never heard. But he didn't say their mouth, he didn't speak. Their mouth spoke. But their eyes couldn't see what they were speaking. And their ears couldn't fathom what they were saying you're following yes, it's just eyes and ears not mouth because their mouth spoke prophetically but what they were speaking they couldn't fathom because it was revealed unto them that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, which the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things even the angels desire to look into. Even angels don't understand it. Now come back to 1 Corinthians chapter two verse nine. Are you still here? First Corinthians chapter two verse nine. But as it is written, I had not seen nor ear heard. Now that I have entered into the heart of man, eyes and ears no mouth inclusive now as he entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him now next verse but that's where you all come in that's where you come in but they are God God hath revealed them unto who by by his spirit what Isaiah never saw I have seen What Moses never saw, I have seen by the Spirit. For the Spirit searched how many things? So there is no more mystery about God. He searched all things. Yay! The deep things of who? So even the deep things in the heart of god have been searched by the spirit now watch watch next verse next verse next verse for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god next verse oh glory to god now we have received it, received it, received it. We are not going to receive. We have already received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. I thought somebody would shout glory. Say I have revelation. Say there is no mystery about God all of god's mystery has been demystified in christ i didn't hear a good amen now now sit down colossians chapter 1 verse 25 colossians chapter 1 verse 25 colossians 125 whereof i am made a minister according to the dispensation of god which is given to me to fulfill the word of god next verse oh i love this even the mystery now that word mystery is the greek word musterion m-u-s-t-e-r-i-o-n musterion means things that require explanation things that require explanation so which means the old testament was communicated in mystery so the old testament must be explained if you're writing writing capital letters the old testament must be explained the old testament must be explained Must. you don't just read the old testament hook line and sinker it must be explained now somebody says why must it be explained because it is mystery Even the mystery which had been what? Hid from when? So there are things that were hid from Moses and hid from all the prophets. They spoke them, but didn't know the, the, the depth. They didn't know what they were speaking. That's why after they prophesied, they now say, God, what are we saying? God will say, Shut up, it's not for you. Those it is meant for will understand. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. You know, disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak in parables? He said, I speak in parables because it is not given to them. But unto you, it is given to know. Unto you, it is given to them. But to them, it is not given. That's why I speak in parables. What is a parable? A parable is a mystery. What are parables? Fictions, facts, and a lesson. A parable is a fiction, a fact, and a lesson. So what do you take out of a parable? The lesson. Leave the fiction and the fact. And you know that is how revelations come. Those of you that have visions, visions and dreams, they are also in parable form. In every vision and dream, there's a fiction, there's a fact, and there's a little lesson. So if you carry vision, hook, line, and sinker, you will miss it. Because it's not as literal as you saw it. Visions don't come in literal form. They come in metaphorical forms. There's a fact in a vision. There's a fiction in a vision. And there's a lesson. For example, Peter was in the upper room praying in Acts chapter 10. And a sheet came out of heaven with four-footed beasts. And the voice told him, stand up, kill and eat. And Peter said, it is unclean, I cannot eat. God said, what I have cleaned, you shall not clean. Now, first of all, there was no sheet. Number two, there were no animals. There was no animal there. There, were no, there was nothing. It was a mode of communicating to Peter that the unclean Gentiles have not been cleansed. But there's a fact. There's a fiction there. The fiction is animals. Okay? The fiction is animals. The fact is that there's a communication in it. So what is Peter supposed to do? To look for the lesson. Am I communicating at all? Are you still in the building? Now, stay with me. Put that scripture back for me. Even the mystery which had been hit from ages and from generations. But now. Help me read. But now. Help me read by Elsa. But now. To who? It's made what? Manifest. Manifest to who? Does it sound like God has revealed them unto us? Does made manifest sound like God has revealed them unto us? Who are the saints? How did God reveal them to us? By his spirit. Where is the spirit? In us. I don't know if I'm teaching good this morning. Now look at it from generations, but now it's made manifest to his saints to whom God will make known what is the riches. Of the glory of this mystery Among the Gentiles What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles Which is what Where is Christ Where is Christ The hope of what So Christ in you is the riches of God The riches of God's glory Is the person of Christ in the believer The wealth of the believer Is Christ in me So, if God wants to be mysterious, he won't give you his spirit. He won't give you the Bible. So, all of God's mysteries have been demystified. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. Stay with me, stay with me. Stay with me. I don't come to Bielsa every day, so you better stay with me. If if, if we close by 4 or 5 today, it will be a good one. can you feel my feel how that by revelation he made known unto me what so how are mysteries made known via the instrument of what revelation revelation of what revelation of christ where Eh? no not not christ in you how okay how are mysteries made known revelation revelation of what christ christ where in the scriptures christ in the scriptures is a fulcrum of revelation it's not visions the revelation is taken out from the scriptures made known unto me now observe the next verse whereby when you read read what the scriptures, you may understand my knowledge where well. in the mystery of Christ. So the mystery of Christ is made known by the reading of the scriptures. You will understand if you read whereby when you read so a good Bible student must be a reader and a voracious reader at that not a scanty reader Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Glory to God. Heed from ages, but now is revealed unto us. What is revealed unto us? What is revealed unto us? The revelation of Christ and what Christ has made available to us. It's revealed to us by the Spirit. John 16, 12. Mm -mm. John chapter 16, verse number 12. I'm just laying foundation for what I want to do here tomorrow, first, second service. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. This is Jesus' teaching. You know what Jesus is simply saying? The things I want to say, I cannot say because you lack capacity and capability to understand. Why will I want to talk to somebody things that are beyond him? It's a waste of my time and his time. What Jesus was saying to them is, look guys, you guys are dummies. But he was saying in a decent way. (laughs) Because the things I want to tell you, I cannot tell you because you won't even understand it. So why waste the time? Look at the next verse. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all the truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Has the spirit of truth come? Where is he? What is he supposed to show you? Things to come. Where will he show them to you from? The scriptures. From the scriptures. Oh glory to God. I say oh glory to god so are you ready now for us to begin to unveil those things james or james is it james or james okay james 120 put it up for me <clears throat> for the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of god hmm. The wrath of man. James one let Let's see the pretext. James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren. Let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. I want to deal with a very serious subject. The wrath of man. So we have something called the wrath of man. We want to examine God's character or how does God respond when people sin? What is God's reaction when people sin? When unbelievers sin, how does God respond? And when believers sin, how does God respond? Should we go there? because many people that is where the devil has always got in them so you think you can get away with it you cannot get away with it god will get you and your religious mind tells you yes it is just fair for god to get me because i know i'm guilty of doing something wrong and many believers have not gone beyond that bridge that becomes your hindrance to prayer or it becomes your blockade to prayer that becomes why you cannot cast out demons because when you want to cast out demons, Satan will flash what you did to you. And instead of saying, come out, you say, come out. I'm teaching good. I say, I'm teaching good. Some people, no matter how much you teach, are still struggling with an idea of God and his anger. Some of you still believe that God is very angry with you. God is mad with you. And your religious mind tells you yes because God is a God of justice. You can't get away with wrong. After all, God does not support wrong. God is a God of justice. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. 1 John chapter 4 verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Next verse, 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Now when we talk about the love of God in scripture, it is mentioned specifically in the epistles. From the pre-epistle ministry of Jesus, in the four gospels, you will find the love of God mentioned. Many times when we read or study things like this, we never follow to really understand what is this love of God. You know, some of you think that the love of God is like your love. I love you. Mm, I love you. Yeah, Ah, I die for you. Mm -mm, Don't die for him. Death is the enemy of God. Some say, "I love you. I'm crazy about you." No, don't be crazy. Bible say, "Be sober. Be vigilant." Am I teaching good? Don't die. Death is God's enemy. Don't be crazy because Bible wants you to be sober. Some of you think that's the way God's love is. I love you. Then when you offend me, I don't love you again. Some of you think that's how God is. You use your own measuring standard to put God in a scale because you don't know God. You don't know God. You think God is an emotional being like you who is off and on i love you i don't love you then you buy me a gift who i die for you then you do me something wrong i change my mind you know your love is like a roller coaster is it not true that's why boyfriend girlfriend will get angry now they will tear each other's picture mm, mm, mm. today they don't carry physical picture they will delete it from their phone delete it I don't love you anymore. <laughs> because, and, and that's how we human behave. Is it not true? When I was in secondary school, all my girlfriend's picture, I told all of it in one day. I said, nonsense. Don't cross my path again. Because I will crush you that's the same person i say i love you why because we thought when you tear the picture you have turned the person because the picture represents the person so the way you are tearing the picture is the way you are tearing the person because you are angry so when you are thinking of god you are thinking of god like that for god so loved the world i love you then you do something wrong i love you no more no when we talk about the love of god we are not talking about an emotion Mm -mm. we are not talking about an emotion and I'm going to show you from scripture because when you begin to be confident in the love of God that he has for you it will change everything about you and that's what the concept of grace is the demonstration of God's love towards man now if you read the meaning of the love of God in first John where we read he says God is love love is God that is love is not a feeling Love is a person. is the personality of God. You will also find out that the love of God is always demonstrated in a specific way. When Jesus mentioned the love of God, he puts it like this, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave. He gave. What did he give? His only begotten son. So, the love of God is always demonstrated in a sacrifice. The love of God is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a person always demonstrated in a sacrifice. He gave his only begotten son. The word for God means there's a statement before for Which is verse 15. Give me verse 15. John 3.15 John 3.15 That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. What is the guarantee for eternal life? For God so love. How do we know he loved? He gave. What is the love of God? The sacrifice of his son. The love of God is not a feeling of, ah, butterflies in my stomach. No, 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 no. The love of God is the sacrifice of Jesus. You need to renew your mind about love because when we're talking about the love of God. We're not talking about human love. We're talking about God's own love, which is God's sacrificial nature. Stay with me. That statement means that Jesus will become sin offering. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of God be lifted up. So the lifting up of Jesus, or the offering of Jesus as sacrifice, is God's love. It's not a feeling of niceness. It's not a feeling of niceness. Yeah, you know, man, I I feel good. My babe loves me, I feel cool, I love my baby amen i feel cool Mm -mm. it's jesus on the cross is god's love it's not a feeling when god say i love you it's not verbal it's demonstrated god's love is demonstrated demonstrated in the sacrifice of jesus so look at god's love but god commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So the love of God is not based on something you did. God doesn't love you because you're a good guy. When I was younger in Christianity, they, they taught us one stupid song, and we used to sing it: "If you do good, kingdom, oh kingdom, oh." They teach you that song, yeah. Holy Ghost. Who do us this kind thing? <laughs> if you do bad, no oh, oh, oh. No oh, oh. No for you. Uh-uh. so the thing is universal. <laughs> so as long as you are doing good, kingdom when you are not doing good no more kingdom so it gives you a feeling of god who is a human being who changes his mind and changes it anyhow but i read my bible he says i am the lord i change it not i read my bible he says jesus the same yesterday today he never changes his character is consistent His personality is consistent. Now, let me tell you something about consistency. When you are consistent, people can predict you. Is it not true? Once a man is consistent, you can predict him. You know that he will go out. You know that he will enter his car before the car will move. And you know that when he comes back, he will reach the door before the car will stop. And he will come out and the first place he will enter is here. So you can predict him. You can say, now that the car is coming, I wait at the door. Because you know he will come through And he will come through because That is his consistent behavior God is consistent If you can just trace the way he behaves You will know how he will behave next time He never changes The Bible says there is no shadow No turning He never turns God is light in him There is no darkness So anywhere you see darkness God is not there we can predict god am i talking to somebody no darkness in him not because there is no darkness because he lacks the capability to house darkness his composition has no space that is he is made in a way where darkness cannot survive him i feel like i'm teaching here somebody said god is consistent See, that's why you can rely on him. That's why you know that when you pray, the answer is given. Because you can predict what God will do. I'm not worshipping a God that, is, that changes. No. He's a consistent father. And I can tell you, God has never been angry before. Anger is strange to God. He has never been angry before. He is not angry now. He will never be angry. It's not in his character to be angry. Anger is a work of the flesh. Anger is a work of the flesh. The work of the flesh cannot be found in God. What God has is the fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace, long suffering gentleness, meekness I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here the fruit of the spirit is the definition of God's character the work of the flesh is a definition of Satan's character stealing wrath, anger witchcraft blasphemy, fornication all that describes Satan Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness describes God's character. Am I teaching good? Please sit and let me push this a bit. So you're having an idea of what will happen tomorrow, right? God punish the devil. He shall pay for it. Did you hear what I said? Satan will pay for it. All the years he has been monkeying around. Babooning all over the place. He shall pay for it. Somebody says, Satan, you will pay for it. Glory to God. I say glory to God. I say glory to God. While you are yet sinners. That word sinner is is the word in the Greek rebellion. While you are yet a rebel, Christ died. While you are yet a criminal. That is, Christ didn't die for you because you promised him to change. He died for you whether you change Or not he didn't die for you because you are good, you're already a criminal. Shut up, give me that Romans chapter 5, verse 10. See Alabada Romans chapter 5, verse 10 for if when we were enemies. We we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by his own life. I'm teaching good this month. God punished the devil. If when we were enemies, these churches that pray for enemies to die, where did they learn it from? When you were enemy god didn't pray for you to die he died you are dead where do they get all this fall and die my enemies die it don't go better for you where are they getting all that from it's it's coming out of anger bitterness unforgiveness which is satan's character that can be god's character god's character is love joy peace gentleness meekness temperance patience, long suffering. Are you catching what I'm communicating here? If when you were enemy of God, he didn't pray for you to die, why are you praying for another person to die? Who did you learn from? Who did you learn from? Who are you learning from? You are a bad student of God's character. And you are a misrepresentation of God's character. You are a bad ambassador. And if you are not careful, you will soon be recalled home. From your ambassadorial responsibility. Because when a country sends an ambassador, and the ambassador doesn't do right, they recall you. Leave that in. I'm teaching good this morning. Lift your right hand and shout. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Therefore, I must reflect the character of Christ to my generation. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Please sit and let me push. Can I push a little more? Deacon is not me, or it's them. <laughs> Glory! So Jesus will become our sin offering, that He gave His only begotten Son. So God's love always has a focus, always has a focus. So now we have seen that the love of God is in two ways: John three, Romans five, and in both occasions, the love of God is taught and demonstrated as Jesus' sacrifice. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. So, both occasions, the love of God is a sacrifice of Jesus. What is the sacrifice of Jesus for? For sinners. For sinners. And listen carefully. Not sinners who are repentant. Not sinners who are thinking of God. Sinners who don't care about God and have zero tolerance for the name God. They are the people he died for. It is not when you repent that God forgives you. He forgave you before you repented. The day you receive Christ was the day you received God's forgiveness. But that's not the day he offered it. He offered you that forgiveness years before you were born. You were born to discover there's an offer. And then now when you receive it It is effected in your life. Am I teaching here? Yes. It's been offered. The prostitute in Yenagoa now has been forgiven by Jesus. The homosexual has been forgiven. The drug addict has been forgiven. The offer is waiting for them to accept. Why do we preach? To make them aware there's an offer. So that they can reach out and take delivery of the offer. Am I communicating at all? That's what we preach. That's what we evangelize. That's why the gospel is good news. The announcement of a gracious offer. That's what the gospel is. The announcement of a gracious offer. Not a threat. Not intimidation. That's not gospel. Repent now because you can die after I finish talking. You know death waits for no man. You only know now, you don't know after now. You better repent. Are you ready? Hellfire is real, the fire is burning. I can even hear them crying now. You're not doing evangelism, you're doing evigelism. <laughs> Envy, <laughs> evigelism, not evangelism. Evangelism is the announcement of God's gracious offer to undeserving sinner. The announcement of God's gracious offer to an undeserving sinner. Am I still teaching here? Look at first John 4:10. First John chapter 4, verse number 10. Mm-mm. Hearing is love. Oh, glory to God. Not that we loved God. Oh, I love God. If not that I love God, God wouldn't have blessed me. Shut up. Not that we loved God. Can you argue with your Bible? not that we love god but that he loved us and how does he show it he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins so can you see that every time they talk about god's love they talk about the death of christ because the love of god is the death of christ it's not a feeling it's not a feeling it's not like god is feeling good now he loves you no he's feeling bad today is a bad day god is going around with a walking stick say you didn't pray yesterday Bam! you come come i told you to fast you really fast Bam! you that contract i collected you you are not obeying me well take sickness no god doesn't behave like that god doesn't behave like that some of you actually picture god with a walking stick every day he wakes up in the morning you you didn't pay your tithe take it you i told you to give offering. your offering was not enough Bam! come 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 i've been waiting for you to be a faithful committed person in the church you're not committed Bam! god doesn't go around like that the last time I checked, he's sitting down because there's no more work to do. He has finished his work, and I am news for you. Know where he's sitting? Inside you. Glory to God. The Bible tells us, I will live in you, I will walk in you. I will be your God. You will be my sons and my daughters. Somebody's not shouting glory in the building. tell you i feel like running around this building when you come face to face with these realities the devil cannot corner you anymore shout i hear you not that we love god but he loved us and gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins first john 3 16 first john 3 16 first john 3 16 hereby perceive we the love of god because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Don't come church, tell me how much you love me. Lay your life down. That's how I know you love me. Lay your life down. I've not eaten since yesterday. You're busy telling me, I love you sister. I love you in the Lord. No. Lay your life down. Lay down 2,000 Naira. Let me go and eat something. Then I know you love me. I'm teaching good this morning. Tonja never said, Do you love me? What are you laying down? <laughs> Glory! That's right. Glory! Somebody shout, Yes, 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 yes. Say, I believe. And know the love that God has for me. I thought you would shout in that place. Sit down, sit down. Give me a few more minutes. Give me a few more minutes. Can I take a few more minutes? Daddy can, it's not me or it's them. <laughs> so that's what it means to say that God loves you that's how to know that god loves you when he says god is love he tells you exactly what he means god is love means he is in his loving nature he dies for the sinner does god overlook sin no does god excuse sin no does god tolerate sin no does god pamper sin no does god accommodate sin no What does he do to sin? He punishes sin. How does he punish it? On himself. He doesn't tolerate your sin. So, to show you he loves you, he takes your sin and punishes himself so you can be free. That's the love of God. It's not a feeling. It's a reality of the sacrifice of Jesus absorbs your sin on himself that's why right, for the first time on the cross you know god never god never left man from genesis god never left man from genesis god kept looking for man adam where are thou adam where are thou i am naked i who told you who told you the woman you gave me all of you come out he takes leaves i mean he takes skin he covers your nakedness from genesis he kept looking for man he kept going after man he kept going after man he kept going after man, going after man. for the first time God turned his back on man. Was when God turned his back on Jesus. And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why? Has thou? Because that was when God turned his back. And guess what? He didn't turn his back on you. He turned his back on himself. Because of you. God made himself his own enemy. Because of you. God walked away from God. Because of you. And God cried out to God. Why? And God answered him not a word. Because you have accepted. So go through the process. Three days and three nights of separation. God separated from God. For three days and three nights. God and God had no fellowship. For three days and three nights. Because of you. Because that was the only way. They were going to bring you into fellowship. With God. In the separation was the reconciliation. The separation was the reconciliation. So because God has already separated himself from himself. When he reconciled you, he now says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Amplified said, I will never, 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 never. Up to four times. Emphasis. Sarah, let me show you something. God, go Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Deacon, I will close now. I can see your eye. You're feeling for them. Is it 18, 20? 28, 20. Where did the 18 enter? 2028. 20, Let's read together everybody very loud. Like a mask. I want to go. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And no, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I want to hear that last one from Low. Can we go one to go? Lord, I am with you always. He will come to of Amen. I'm with you many times? Always. What is always? always? What is all the time? Two, for seven. two for, what is two for seven? Continuously. What is continuously? Forever. What is forever? eternally. What is eternally? Hey! I am with you. What of when you fall? When you stand? When you sit on the floor? When you go through the fire? When you go through the water? I am with you always. Not I am with you because you pray. Not I am with you because you are good. Not, uh, no, I am. It's an unconditional commitment to an eternal, inseparable union. So, katizo. I am married to Jesus as a living I love. I'm married to Jesus, Satan, leave me alone. My husband is coming to take me away to everlasting. Your husband is coming? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king soon and very soon we are going to see the king hallelujah hallelujah we are going husband is coming from where Uh, lord Lo Okay, Sita. I'm gonna leave you I'm going to leave you at a junction. <laughs> where you can find the next vehicle. Eh? <laughs> I'm going to leave you at a junction where we will continue from tomorrow. Should I leave at a junction? You want to go to destination today? Now 30 day and 30 night be too. <laughs> Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Is that verse 8? Put it up. You shall be witnesses on me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost part of the Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Brother where did you get three from? Your computer is enjoying Revelation, right? Next verse. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things. Can we all read together? Want to go? And when he had spoken these things. While they beheld. He was taken up. And a cloud received him. Out of their sight. Taken up to where? Eh? Low. He was taken up to where? <laughs> Put the next verse. Let's see if they told us where they took him to. Can we read it together? And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Next verse. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Mm. Lo, I am with you After resurrection, he said, I am with you always. Then some people say they saw him go. <laughs> is he lying? I can't be telling you I am with you always and go. Mm-mm. Something is not right. If I'm with you always, I go nowhere. If I go, I am not with you always. It's as simple as that. So, where did he go? And was he really with us always? What of when he left? Stand up tomorrow. <laughs> Glory! I have dropped you at the jump shot. <laughs> Dr. Abel Damina is the founder and president. No. Not I will be with you. I am. So, you know, I am with you is always I am with you it's a present continuous statement tomorrow it will be i am with you next year it will be 10 years time from now it will be it's not i was with you it's not i will be with you it's i am moses said, what should i tell him is your name you know i am is not a name i am is not somebody's name now when did i am become a name God, what will I tell them Is your name? tell, Tell them I am that I am. That's not a name. That's a statement. I am. You know why? God has no name. God doesn't have a name. No. Okay, what are names for? We give names to distinguish people. Because there are many people here. So we have Pastor Daddy Ken. When you hear that one, only him will come out. Because he's the only one among us that is Pastor Daddy Ken. Pastor Philemon. Only him will come out. Because he's the only one that is Pastor Philemon. Why? Names are given to identify you out of a crowd of those that look like you. God has nobody that look like him. So he doesn't need a name. God doesn't have a name. All those Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh—they are not God's name. So, that is the people's experience that they describe. In fact, I am is not a name. When he say, "I am that I am," what he's simply saying is, say, "I am that I am. I will be what I will be." the hebrew word for that i am that i am in exodus if you check the hebrew trans lexicon it says i am that i am because i will be what i will be that is if i am the almighty it means i am that i am meaning within me i have the capability and capacity to be whatever i want to be know what god was telling moses he was introducing to moses the redemptive concept of trinity what was telling moses i am that i am because i will be what i will be meaning if i have to be a son of myself to save man i am that i am to be what i will be as a son and when I die and rise from the dead, if I want to be Holy Spirit, I am that I am to be what I will be. So I can be Father, I can be Son, I can be Holy Ghost. It is still within my ability to be what I will be and still I am the one doing it. There are no three gods. It's one God. Jesus is God in another form. Holy Ghost Holy Ghost is God in another form. For the purpose of redemption. If he has come as God. Nobody can kill God. But God has to die. For man's sins to be paid. So God became man. They killed him. He died. But when he rose from the dead. He became Holy Spirit. To live inside you. There are not three gods. He's one. Who has the ability to be whatever he wants to be when he wants to be it. One Muslim said to me, but, but, but that Bible talks, he said, the Bible talks say, God will give us Holy Spirit. He said, Muhammad is Holy Spirit. I said, wonderful. He said, but read it now. The Holy Spirit and he shall abide in you. So I asked him, is Muhammad in you? He said, no. (laughs) Because. Muhammad cannot be Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. In the believer. You don't want to miss tomorrow. We'll finish with that rot. And we will move from that junction. And arrive destination. Bless today. How many of you invite some people for us for tomorrow? Very good. Get everybody you can. We'll have a blast tomorrow morning. First and second service you know as we establish some doctrinal truths that will liberate you so that when you fellowship with god there's no iota of doubt you just flow express relationship express relationship your mind is freed your mind is clear your conscience is purged. you're just enjoying intimacy with god somebody say i hear you and that's what the conference is about great grace that's what it makes available to us it makes available to us the revelation of god That builds us up to be what God wants us to be. Enjoying the liberty we have in Christ. Praise God. Lift your right hands to heaven and I want to hear your amens like thunder. Great grace is upon you. As you walk out of this building today, I decree that you walk in the fullness of his grace. God's favor. met supernaturally your desires are granted bodies and yokes are destroyed they are destroyed they are destroyed your heart opens up for revelation knowledge your heart opens up for revelation knowledge you are built up you're edified in the name of jesus go and do greater works go and do exploits go and manifest jesus in the name of jesus Great grace is upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. And every believer.